Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, all right, all right. Sub 30, what it do? How y'all guys doing? Yes. I, lo- I love, like, every time I'm getting ready to preach, and um, you're, like, waiting on the side, and you're, like, wondering, like, when the beat's going to stop. And I'm wondering if I should come up here and freestyle, if I should come up here and preach. It's like you're kind of like that double Dutch moment where like, do I go, do I go, do I go? And then you run out here and you're all winded. So let me get myself together, man. What's going on, guys? You guys doing good? Can we put our hands together for those who are checking us out online? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here along with you guys as well. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here at, at Celebration Church. And it's a true honor for me to be able to, to be on this platform and, and, and share the word of God with you. I really have a, a word on my heart that I want to I share with you guys. Um, but before I do, man, I just want to take a, a quick moment to, to give a shout out to my boy, Clayton Baird. Clayton Baird, Pastor Clay, man. Dude, I don't know why. I didn't even plan on saying that, man, but I just love you, dude. I do. Paper boy, I got you. We'll work it in later, man. All right, guys, if you got your Bibles, man, I want you guys to turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 12, the book of Acts chapter 12. Um, We're going to look at verses 5 through 10. I want to just jump right in. And what I want to do is if as you're turning, I want to give you a little bit of context as to what's going on. We're going to do we're going to do about uh, 45 years of background in about one minute starting now. Okay, so Jesus comes on a scene, and that's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all about. It's about the life of Jesus and how he came to be the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. Now that after he's done that, he, in, he tells his disciples, these guys that he had collected while he was on his ministry, and said to them, listen guys, I need you guys to go ahead and take this thing and spread it all across the world. That's what I'm issuing you to do. Don't do it just yet. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and that's when you guys are going to go forth and you're going to share the gospel all over the place. Jesus then goes up into heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes. But what happens is after the Holy Spirit comes, they get filled with the fear, they get filled with the Spirit, they're, they're, they're in their local communities, but then they face some opposition, which then causes them to have to spread out. This is a whole other message, but it's interesting how the gospel didn't spread until they faced opposition. I think that's a word for somebody. You may think that you're in the middle of a season of challenge and facing some, some things right now, but that's an opportunity for the grace of God to show as an overflow in your life. Let me move on. So now after, so now after the disciples have been spread out, now the gospel is continuing to be perpetuated. About 12 years later, we find ourselves here. Now, Peter at this point has a good friend named James. James was one of the same 12 dudes that was running with him with the original disciples with Jesus. But James gets killed. He gets killed by this dude, and, and the same dude that killed James had saw that it had raised his popularity. So he said, you know what? I want to kill Peter too. If I could kill as many Christians, then maybe it's going to allow my influence to grow. And so what we find is that he captures Peter, and he intends to do the exact same thing to him. And now we find ourselves in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 5, and we're going to pick up from where Peter is in jail. And the Bible says this. It says, during Peter's imprisonment, the church prayed constantly and intensely to God for his safety. Their prayers were not answered until the night before Peter's execution. Picture this event. Peter is sound asleep between two soldiers, double-chained, with still more soldiers outside the prison's door, watching for external intruders. Suddenly, the cell fills with light. It is the messenger of the Lord manifesting himself. He, he taps Peter on the side, awakening him. The messenger of the Lord says, get up quickly. The chains fall off of Peter's wrists. The messenger of the Lord says, come on, put on your belt. Put on your sandals. Peter, he puts them on, but he just stands there. The messenger of the Lord says, pull a cloak over your head, over your shoulders. Come on, follow me. 
Peter does so, but he's completely dazed. He doesn't think it's really happening. He assumes he is dreaming or having a vision. They pass the first guard. They pass the second guard. They come to the iron gate. It opens to the city. The gate swings open for them on its own. And they walk into the lane. Suddenly, the messenger disappears. Suddenly, the, the messenger disappears. Sub 30, I want to speak to you on the thought of what it means to get out of our comfort zone, to be challenged to get out of our comfort zone, and to not find ourselves too comfortable in environments that God hasn't called us to be in. I've entitled this message, You Don't Gotta Go Home, But You Can't Stay Here. Let me say that again. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here. I don't know who I'm talking to in here tonight, but wherever you are, you don't, you don't gotta go home, but you can't stay where you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for these incredible people, Father, many of those who felt much opposition with getting here today, Father, and there's a reason for it, because in this environment, Lord, they're gonna hear a word that's gonna potentially bring them to a place of freedom. Father, I pray over the next 30 minutes, God, that you just give us open eyes that we can see you. Lord, I pray that you give us open ears that we can hear your word. And Father, I pray that you give us open hearts that we can be the recipients of the grace that you have for us tonight. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I've, I've, I've discovered that as a society overall, we're, we're typically pretty, we're pretty polite. And, 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 and even though we don't mean to be in some cases, but we have a tendency that we say things that we may not always mean, but we say it because we're just trying to be polite. Case in point, maybe you are at a, a place in your life and maybe you've gone out to dinner with someone and you're like, hey, listen, I'm feeling a little bit like T.I. You can have whatever you like. But the reality is, the reality is, you know that your money's a little bit funny and you're saying to yourself, if you could just stay over in that dollar menu section, if you could just stay over in that appetizer section, it'll make me do real good. In fact, I'm gonna wait and see what you order because based off of that, I'm gonna make a decision on what I order. I'm just gonna take the water and I'm gonna take a small salad if that's possible. You know, but what you say, you can get whatever you want because that's, that's kind of the, the, the tone. We wanna be polite. And, and another instance could be, have you, have you ever found yourself at a place where you're walking and you see people and because it's just a part of what we do as a culture, you see somebody like, hey, man, how you doing? But the reality is you really don't care about how they're doing because you're saying it as you're walking away from them. But then they say, hey, man, I'm so glad that you asked me how I'm doing. I got to tell you something, man. I stubbed my toe today, and I just want to know if I can get prayer for it. Now, these are the type of things. These are pastor problems. It's like, man, when I said it, I really didn't mean it. I did. Clay doesn't when he says it, but I do mean it. But you have those moments where you, you say these things, how you doing, but you actually didn't expect to get into this deep dialogue. Or, or, or some of us also know the, the overly Christian response, like, hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Brother, it's one king. As long as the king is on the throne, I'm going to be quite all right. I know, man, but you just, you lost your family. Your house is burned down. I know, but God is good. It's okay to have emotions. But you know what I mean? Like, you just say these things because you're just being polite. I remember this time several years ago, um, when we moved into this neighborhood and my, my young son, Caleb, he had like these friends that would come over to his house. They would all go back and forth. And, and I remember this one instance where this one kid would come over and he was so polite. Every time he came over, he would ask me if he could do anything. Mr. Pittman, is it okay if I go to the bathroom? Yeah, man, go ahead. Mr. Pittman, is, is it okay if I, if I get something to drink? Yeah, man, go ahead. And so eventually after he came over like many times, I said, listen, man, make yourself at home. Go ahead and make yourself at home, man. When you come over, man, you're, you're more than welcome to, to use the bathroom freely. You can go ahead and get some water if you want, man. I am that type of dude. I am a good, good father. So I said, go ahead and, and, and don't go ahead and, and, and do what you need to do. He's like, cool, thank you. Well, it didn't take much time where one day I come home from work and the family and I decided we wanted to go out and get something to eat. 
So we were waiting for Keith Jr. to get home from, from track practice, I believe it was. And as he got home, we were like, look, we're going to go out and get something. We're going to bring it back home, and we're going to eat as a family. Keith was like, cool. I'm going to go take a shower real quick. I'll meet you guys downstairs. Keith goes in the shower. We dip out. Everything is going good. Keith gets out of the shower. He hears the TV on downstairs. So he hears the TV on downstairs, and immediately he's assuming, like, oh, man, it got back really quick. He hurry up to get dressed, still got soap behind his ear. He's doing everything he do because we can get downstairs to get something to eat. He comes down the steps, and he sees this boy, Cameron, sitting on our couch. But you don't understand, Cameron is not only sitting on our couch. He's sitting on our couch. He has his feet up like this, leaned over, a drink in his hand, remote control, clicking the channels like this, just clicking. And so Keith comes down the steps, and he looks, and he immediately assumes, okay, well, my family must be home. Cameron's here, um, so they must have let him in. Let me go and help them with the stuff outside. He goes outside and sees that the car's not there. He comes back inside, and he's, like, really, like, bewildered at this moment. He's looking at Cameron. He's looking around. He's seeing no evidence that we're there. And he looks at him and is like, dude, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, man, I'm just I'm watching TV, man. He's like, Caleb's not here. He's like, oh, I know. I saw when they, I saw when they left. And he said... How'd you get in the house? He said, um, I tried the front door, but it was, it was locked. So I just came around back and I just jimmied the door open. I came in that way. <laughs> and so Keith is like in this moment where he doesn't know what to say. He's like, dude, you basically just broke in my house. And he said, no, no, your dad told me that whenever I come over, I can just make myself at home. And whenever I'm locked out from the front, I just come around back and I just come in. He took the words so literally, he took them so literally that an invitation Come on, Tony, that had an expiration date on it, he extended it longer than he was supposed to. He wasn't supposed to pick and choose how long he could come. It was when you're invited in, now you can make yourself comfortable, but there's grace and there's boundaries to that. Like, you just can't show up when I didn't invite you over and make yourself at home. What, it, what occurs to me is, is this. I believe that there's a lot of times in our lives that we find ourselves in positions and conditions and we're looking at the season of life that we're in. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can get very content and very comfortable in environments that God has only called us to pass through. We, we end up putting our feet up and becoming very complacent with where we are because we think that's our lot in life. Like, this is the destination for me. This is where I'm supposed to be. But God is saying, I never intended for you to make yourself at home. This was simply supposed to be a place for you to develop. This was a place for you to grow. But you've got to continue to move on. But some of us have found ourselves getting very comfortable in environments that God has not invited us to stay very long term. You see, when we look at this story with Peter, you have to understand a couple of things when we look at Peter. See, Peter, when he finally got the revelation of what God had called him to do, he had a radical different approach to the way that he did ministry. Now, the reason why, if you're around church for any period of time, a lot of preachers make references to Peter is because he's like the perfect example of a modern Christian. Here's what I mean by that. He's, he's struggling with his walk with God, but he continues to still stay firm. He, he, he tries to walk by faith, but he begins to sink, but then he comes back. He denies God for a season, but then he's back on fire. Like, I'm not sure if anybody can relate to having those moments where I'm on fire for God, sometimes I'm struggling. Everything's going good, everything's falling apart. Peter is a perfect example of this guy that in spite of it all, but God still used him. But when he finally got the revelation, that God is going to use me to do some incredible things, Peter's posture changed. And so every time that you see in the book of Acts where Peter was confronted because of his faith, he was very vocal, very bold, and very aggressive in defending what he believed. He was very like, hey, man, listen, you can do whatever you want. You can send me in jail, ain't nothing. I'm going to die in Jesus' name. That's what it is. Like, that's how radical I am. That's how bold I am. If you want to put me in jail, fine, I'm not going to be quiet. If you want to try to threaten me with death, that's cool. I'm just going to go and be with Jesus. It's all good. So Peter had this very bold, radical faith. But here's the problem. Sometimes 
God was positioning Peter in places to be a witness, but he went in with the mentality of being a martyr. He went in thinking that I'm going to die here, so let me lay it all on the line. When God was like, I'm only placing you there so that you can see my glory be manifested in your life. I wonder if there's times in our lives that we just say, this is my lot in life. This is my thorn in my flesh. This is my struggle. I may never get married. So we stop pursuing freedom because we think that this is what we're supposed to be in. And God is saying, I never intended for you to stay there. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. You're just passing through. You know, when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, I believe that a couple of things are revealed that I hope that can be an encouragement to all of us. I believe that there's some things in there that I believe that, that can speak to us as we examine the life of Peter. That's the beauty of the Scriptures is that we have the ability to have this, this retrospective spiritual um, intuition that allows us to look at the struggles of someone else and learn from it. And so I think that there's four things that Peter had. There's four things that we can extract from this that can hopefully help us even in our seasons of struggle that we may face. The first thing that Peter had is Peter, he had peace. Peter, he had this overwhelming sense of peace. Let me, let me, let me paint this picture for you. Peter was in an environment of judgment and death. Peter was in an environment where one of his best friends was just that and he got executed. But when we see what Peter is doing in that moment, Peter is knocked out. He is sound asleep, knowing that he's supposed to die the next day. Now, there's times I got a, I got a meeting that I'm going to and I can't sleep because my mind is racing so much. There's times where I got so many things that's going on in my head, I can't even find myself ability to get rest. But now Peter knows that he's expected to be executed tomorrow, and this brother is knocked out. I'm talking like NyQuil Benadryl knocked out, like he is gone to the world. That's what we, that's what we see in the text. He's in an environment of judgment and death. He's in an environment where brokenness is all around him. Have you, have you ever felt that you're in a graveyard and maybe your dreams and hopes are the next thing that's about to get buried. It's in those moments, if we're not careful, that that situation begins to shape our reality. And if we're not careful, our reality begins to shape our faith. But the truth of the matter is we're not supposed to allow the external pressures and things of life to determine the way that we see God in our life. I, I want to I show you something really quick. What you see here is a, is a water bottle. It's empty. And as we look at this water bottle that's empty, if I apply external pressure to it, it begins to take the form of the external pressure that's being applied to it. If I squeeze it from the top, it crushes in from the top. If I squeeze it from the bottom, it crumples in from the bottom. It literally takes the form of the pressure that's being applied to it. It's completely unusable at this point. It has no purpose at this point because it's empty and it has nothing inside of it. That serves no purpose. But interestingly enough, we have a, a bottle that's next to it and it's full of water. And even if I apply pressure to it, it bends a little bit, but it bounces right back into the shape of the contents that's in it. If I squeeze it from the inside, you can see it a little bit squeeze in, but when I let it go, it bounces back into the shape because what you see is that the structure takes the shape of the insides as opposed to the pressure being the thing that determines the shape of the faith. Uh, it, it, there's a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, and it says this. It says that we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but we're not despaired. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. It's interesting that when you have a sense of peace on the inside of you, that you can have a lot of pressure applied to you, but it doesn't allow you to be crushed. I don't know what the things are that are going on in your life. I don't know what the external pressure is that's in your life. But when you have the proper contents inside of you, it keeps you from taking the form of what's being put upon you and allows what's inside of you to be the thing that you anchor yourself in. If you can just anchor yourself in the things of God, if you could just allow the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart. When those pressures come in, you find yourself in saying, I will not bend. I will not move. I have the peace of God that's on the inside of me. I know who I am. I am a child of God, and I'm not going to allow these external circumstances to dictate and define who I am. Here, here's a valuable lesson that, I, that I've learned. I want you to write this down. When you have peace within, you can do without. Ooh. God, I better say that again, Clay. I better say that one more time. If you, if, you, if you have peace within, you can do without. See, Paul tells us that I've learned to be content in all seasons. What content means is I've learned to be at peace with all seasons. Oh, my goodness. What that means is if I have the proper contents, then I know how to be content. Oh, if I have the proper things inside of me, then I have a peaceful perspective of the things that's happening around me. But if we can just find a way to get full, my question to you tonight, Sub 30, are you living life on E? Are, 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 you, are you walking through life on E? Are you, are you going through your job and you're feeling the pressures of what's going on and you're finding yourself being bent and contorted to the fact that you have a boss that's a jerk? I understand that, but you're a child of God and you shouldn't allow those things to determine the way that you walk out life. You shouldn't allow those things to determine whether or not you're victorious. Is your, is your marriage on E? Are you at a place right now where you have so much conflict that's going on and you're saying to yourself, I don't have any hope of ever getting out of this? What you got to understand is that, that Peter, in a moment when he knew that he was going to face death, he didn't have the faith to believe that he was going to get out of there, and I'll explain that later. But Peter was in this place, and he said, I don't know what's going to happen for tomorrow, but I know that I have a peace on the inside of me. Well, tonight I have good news for you. The presence of God is here, and if you're living life on E, he's ready to fill you up. You know how you get filled up with the presence of God? Worship. The Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we worship in the beginning of service. When I lift up my voice, Voice, it allows God to begin to pour himself inside of me, and now I can go back into a world where all hell may be breaking loose, but I still got heaven on the inside of me, where I might be facing a lot of opposition, but I know there's no competition because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't care if I lost my job. I got peace. I don't care what sickness I have. I got peace. I don't care what my boss just said. I got peace. I don't care what's going on in my marriage. I got peace. Peter had peace even while he was in a place of complete confinement. Peter, Peter, Peter was at peace. The next thing that we see about my dude Peter is that Peter, he had grace. Peter, Peter had grace even in the midst of all that was going on in his life. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Keith, I need you to explain that. Well, I got the microphone, and that's exactly what I intend to do, okay? Peter, Peter, he had, he had grace. Watch this. Peter is inside of a prison cell. It's dark, completely dark. I want you to hear the sequence of events that takes place. The Bible says that the light of God begins to shine in the cell, but Peter's completely unaware of it because he's asleep. Then the Bible says the messenger of God walks into the cell. Peter's completely unaware because he's asleep. The messenger of God walks up to Peter, taps him on the side, 
In order for him to wake up, he, he, he opens his eyes up and then he speaks to Peter and tells him, it's time for you to get up. We got somewhere to be. Again, sequence of events. Peter was unaware that the light was shining because he was asleep. He was unaware that the presence was there because he was still asleep. Peter's eyes didn't open until something tapped him on the side, or would I say this way, until something hit close to home. Every morning when I get my son up, I go upstairs to his room, same exact sequence. I turn the light on. He doesn't know that I'm there. I walk inside of his room. He doesn't know that I'm there. I tap him on his side. He doesn't know that I'm there. I tap him on the side again. He still doesn't know that I'm there. I yank him out the bed. Then he finally realizes that I'm there. And then I say, son, it's time. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to get dressed. The thing is, I was there the whole time. He just didn't see it. It wasn't until I tapped him was he made aware of my presence the whole time. It's interesting how God has this unique ability to manifest his presence in our life, and we don't even recognize it until something taps us to open our eyes. I've shared this in here with you guys before, but several years ago, I remember when my cousin had got killed in a car accident. And what it did is it opened my eyes up. And when I opened my eyes up and I recognized that God had a calling on my life, that God had a purpose on my life, it was then I was able to hear the voice of God that had been speaking to me my entire life. But I was able to respond to it because the grace of God tapped me and said, it's time for me to get up and begin to walk into the things of God. I'm not telling you that God wanted my cousin to get killed in a car accident, but the beauty of the grace of God is that he has this unique ability to work all things together for the good. So he was able to take something as horrific as my cousin dying. He was able to use that to tap me on the side to get my attention and say, son, I am with you, but I have a purpose on your life, and it's time for you to get up and walk out of this place of bondage so you can begin to accomplish what I called for your life to do. But some of you may be saying to yourself, Keith, you don't understand. I've been abused. I've been rejected. I've got so much brokenness in my life, and I don't believe the grace of God is with me at all. To that, I want to rebuttal and say to this, the very fact that you are here is evidence that the grace of God is with you. You have to understand this. The devil does not do down payments with destruction. The Bible says that he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The mere fact that you still have breath in your lungs is evidence that the grace of God is with you. Even in the midst of your struggle, the grace of God is with you. In the midst of your addiction, the grace of God is with you. In the midst of you rejecting God, the grace of God is with you. The grace of God will radically pursue you to the ends of the earth. David explains it this way in Psalms 139. I, I have to read this to you because it's such a profound, it's such a profound scripture. In verses 8 through 12, it says, if I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I fly on the morning's wings to the far west horizon, you find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't even dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. What that is saying to you is no matter where you find yourself, the grace of God is there. There's not a place that you can go that God's grace has not already been there, that it's not already waiting for you, and he's ready to lift you up and take you to the calling that he has on your life. It's just time for us to respond to the grace of God that's in our life. God's grace is with you, even in the midst of your dysfunction, even in the midst of your addiction, even in the midst of your brokenness, even in the midst of all the things that's going on in your life, the grace of God is with you. You see, the grace of God met Peter right in that jail cell. It showed up. He knew exactly where Peter was. He knew exactly how to get Peter's attention, and he knew exactly how to raise Peter up. You know, the next thing that we see with Peter, we see that Peter had peace. Peter, Peter had grace, but the other thing that Peter had, Peter had freedom. 
Peter, Peter had freedom. Freedom was available, and Peter was, was, was surrounded by freedom. Let me, let, me, let me break this down for you really quick. The Bible says that the angel shows up, and the angel's mission, he wasn't there to give Peter fashion advice. He wasn't. He came there to bring freedom. He came there to tell Peter that it's time for us to go to the place that God is calling you to go. But unfortunately, when he showed up, Peter was so comfortable. Peter was so content. Peter had so much peace that the Bible tells us that Peter was naked. Peter was naked. Now, he had two soldiers chained to him, and Peter was naked. Now, if I'm one of them soldiers, I'm like, hey, man, it's not one of them type of jails. You can keep your clothes on. But Peter's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Now, here's, here's a principle, though. Why did, why did Peter get undressed? Here's why. Because Peter didn't have any intentions on getting out of there. And what you find with the way that they would do executions is they would strip off all their clothes and then allow them to wear shame as they're dragged through the community, and then they would be crucified or beheaded or put to death by the sword in front of everyone, but they wanted to make sure that they were naked and ashamed. But Peter said, I have no shame. I will take it all off because I don't got no problem with it. So Peter took it all off and said, I'm going to beat you to it because you can't put condemnation on my shoulder because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. He became so comfortable that here he is, naked, naked, with his feet up like so, and he's gone, just out. And the angel of the Lord shows up. And he's like, dude, like, what are you doing? And it makes me wonder, did, did we find ourselves in places where we end up putting our feet up on things that God has called us to put under our feet? Do we, do we find ourselves in places where we get so content and accept certain opposition that we forget that God has called us to be more than conquerors? See, Peter had found himself so comfortable that the angel showed up and said, man, it's time for you to get dressed. But Peter's like, but I'm in prison, so I'm wearing the garments, which is nothing of a prisoner. But then this is the thought that came to me. And if you can look at the nuances of the text, this is what the angel was saying. You don't need to wear, you don't need to dress on based on where you are. You need to dress based on where you're going. Oh, man. I'm not sure if any of you have ever worked in an environment that was completely contrary to where the temperature here in Florida is. Hear it at the church from time to time, it can get very cold on the inside. So what that means is, even though it's 96 degrees outside, I know that I'm going into a place that's virtually like the Arctic Circle, so I need to dress based on where I'm going, not based on where I am. My neighbors may see me as I'm walking out of my house and they're wondering to themselves, why do you have on a turtleneck in the middle of July? My response to that is, mind your business, I do what I wanna do, shut up. But anyway, what ends up happening is, my response to that is, you don't understand where I'm going. You expect me to wear shorts because that's the environment that we're in, but I know that I'm going to another environment and I have to wear something that's conducive to where I'm going to. Uh, I don't know who's in prison here tonight. I'm not sure what bondage the enemy has placed on your shoulders, but if we could just put on the garments of praise in spite of wearing the garments of a prisoner, I wonder if it would change the way that we lived our lives. See, Peter had gotten so comfortable that he dressed in nakedness. But if we can begin to say, I'm going to put on the garments of praise in spite of my struggle. I'm going to put on the garments that reflect where I'm going and not where I currently am. Where are you at right now? What are you wearing right now? Does it reflect the calling and destiny that's on your life? 
You see, when you have a way of worshiping, when you seem like you shouldn't have worship, people won't understand it. But you're saying, I'm not worshiping because I'm in a place of victory. I'm worshiping to get to victory. Oh, I'm not, I'm not worshiping because everything is good, but I'm inviting God into the midst of my situation because I know he's working it all together for the good. This is what happens when you have a mindset that's set on, I know where I'm going. I know where God is calling me to go. And even though I'm not there right now, and things don't look good right now, but my worship is if I'm already there. My praise is if I'm already there. My studying is if I'm already there. My discipline is if it's already there. I'm not waiting for God to show up because here's the thing. Imagine how much time is wasted when freedom shows up and we're not ready to take that step. Hmm. I, I wonder what it would look like if we actually were waiting for Jesus and we were ready for when that door to open and we're ready to step into it. I often tell my family, be travel ready. That, what that means is this. I don't know what we're going to do this weekend. We may not do anything. But if we make a decision to do something, I'd rather not have to prolong it waiting for you to get ready because it, all that does is delay us from getting to the destination and celebrating where we're supposed to be. What I believe that God is saying to you tonight is are you travel ready? Are you wearing the garments of the destination that he's calling you to instead of being content and, wearing, and being conducive to the environment that you're currently in? You see, Peter, Peter had, he had peace. Peter had grace, but freedom showed up, but Peter wasn't ready. So now we had to tell Peter to get ready. Hurry up, get ready. As the, as the worship team joins me, I wanna, I wanna close with this. The last thing that I see in this text that it shows us that Peter had is that Peter had to walk it out. He had to, he had to walk it out. He had, um, he had peace, he had grace, he had freedom, but he had to walk it out. Now, as Peter is sitting here in bondage, comfortable, with his feet up, sleeping, we see that he's then confronted with freedom. We see that he's confronted with the grace of God. It taps him on the side, but the chains were still on him. He's still connected to these two men. But what the Bible says is that the chains don't actually fall off of his wrists until he stands up. See, the freedom that we're looking for is found in our response to it. Because here's the thing, the same sense of peace that Peter had with being in his situation, there were two men that were chained next to him that were just at peace with him being in it. I don't know if you caught that. There were soldiers, one to the right and one to the left. Now here's what you gotta understand. There's about 16 soldiers total that are keeping watch for Peter. He's already in a prison cell. 14 other soldiers are between him and the gates to the city. They're all keeping their eyes on Peter, but yet there's still two that he's chained to inside of the cell. And what we see is they're asleep, just like Peter is asleep. What that means is these guys were only at peace as long as he was in bondage. Here's my question to you. Who are the guardians of bondage in your life? Who, who and what are the things in your life that seem to serve no other purpose but to remind you that you're not good enough, to remind you of your past, to remind you of your brokenness, to remind you that you dropped out of school, to remind you that you got an abortion, to remind you that you didn't get the job, to remind you that you got fired from the job. These things that are chained to us when we're in these environments that seems to keep us from ever going forward. You know, there's certain people and certain things that only seem to be happy as long as you're not. 
And if we allow ourselves to stay chained to these things, we'll never experience the freedom that God really has for our lives. When Peter finally comes to his senses and recognizes that God is calling him out of this situation, Peter is still chained to these two men who would prefer for them, for him to still be there. But Peter has a response in this moment. And his response determined the freedom that he had. Peter stood up. The chains fell off. Oh my goodness, I wonder if some of us just began to take a stand on what God says about us. The chains that will fall off immediately in the moment. The chains fell off. He's in a tight space. One guy here, one guy there. I don't know which way I'm going to go. So what I'm going to do in this moment is I'm going to step over the things that want to pull me under. I, I understand that you want to keep me in this place, but I refuse to stay in this place any longer. I'm going to step over the things that are trying to pull me under. You're going to wake up in the morning and wonder, where did Keith go? Why does he have freedom in this area in his life now? It's because I chose to respond to the grace of God. I chose to respond to the truth of God. My question to you is this. Who are you going to respond to tonight? I believe that the enemy hates the fact when people have an opportunity to make a choice whether to walk in freedom or allow the guardians of bondage to keep them from being who God has called them to be. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to ask you just two, two simple questions. Here's my first question. If you're in here tonight and you would say, Keith, there's areas of my life where I've put my feet up on things that I know that God has not called me to be comfortable with. There's, there's areas of my life where I've become too content in not pursuing the freedom that God truly has for my life. I've, there's areas of my life where I feel like it's, it's, it seems like I'm just going around this mountain over and over again. I know that God has something more for me, but I don't even know how to take steps into accomplishing it. I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in this moment, and I want to pray for you guys. But if that's you, if you know that maybe you're at a place where you don't have peace, maybe you're at a place right now where you don't even feel the grace of God, maybe you're in a place right now where you don't feel freedom or you don't even know what steps to take, if that's you, I want to pray for you. Could you signify by raising a hand? Amen, 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 amen. Hands up everywhere. You guys can go ahead and put those hands down. My second question for you is this. If you're in here today and you would say, Keith, man, I never even thought the grace of God was anywhere involved in my life. But I, I, I feel it. I feel the grace of God. I feel that I'm not here by mistake. I feel like this is, a, a, this is almost that moment like with, with Peter, with the angel showing up. I feel like this is a messenger from God speaking to me and tapping me on the side and saying, will you respond to Jesus? If that's you and you're in here and you are away from God right now, maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past, but if you're honest, you're not walking with God right now. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with them and you don't have all the answers and that's quite okay. But your freedom is found in a single response. If you are prepared to say yes to Jesus tonight, that's all it is, is a single yes. I believe that God's going to do something in your life and radically change it all. If you want to say yes to Jesus tonight, would you signify it by raising a hand? Amen. 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 My God. Amen. My God. Amen. You can put those hands down. Church, can we put our hands together for those who are responding to the gospel tonight? Here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to all stand on our feet, and we're going to go into um, a quick song of worship. 
And what I want to do is, before I pray for you, I want you to let the, the, the words pour over your spirit. I want you to allow the, the grace of God to speak to you in the areas of limitations and the areas of bondage and the areas of struggles that you may be dealing with. But before we do that, I wanna, I wanna pray all of us as a family to help along those people who are giving their life to Christ, possibly for the first time. I want us all to pray this together. And then I wanna pray for you guys. But let's repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And because of that, I am saved, I am free, I am healed, I am delivered. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your people. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the grace that's being dispensed in here tonight, Father. Lord, I pray for every individual, Father, under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room, listening on a podcast, or possibly watching online. Father, I pray that you minister to them exactly where they are. Father, I pray for freedom and I pray that we have the boldness to take a response to that freedom. Spirit, break us out of the bondage. Spirit, break us out of the struggles. Spirit, break us out of the areas of doubt and fear. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.